This is PRN, your as-needed dose of medical knowledge. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. And I'm Chandler Davis. This podcast provides general information and discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. It is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice or the practice of medicine. The views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Adward via College of Osteopathic Medicine or any other institution or employer. today's podcast, I got the chance to sit down with Dr. Abraham Hardy and Dr. Hardy to get some advice on how to balance a marriage and serious relationships outside of a demanding career. I would like to first thank um, both Dr. Abraham Hardy and Dr. Hardy for coming on to the PRN podcast. And I know both of y'all have been on the podcast before, um, so I thank y'all for coming on again. But I would like for both of y'all to first just introduce yourself and start by stating what field of medicine you practice in. Hi, my name is Sophia Abraham-Hardy, and I am a practicing pediatrician and chair of pediatrics at VCOM. I'm Abraham Hardy, uh, family medicine and associate chair of family medicine and rural primary care. Uh, Just to clarify, um, both of y'all have been married for a little while now. Um, Could you explain to us how long you've been married and a little bit about how y'all met? We've been married for 12 years. Um, We actually met here at VCOM. Um, our first year of medical school. Uh, We didn't really associate with each other much after our initial encounter, which was orientation. And then through the process of clubs and organizations, um, we realized we had a lot of things in common, and we did the very first VCOM mission trip together. And that's when we kind of realized that there was some mutual interest between the two of us. Do you have a different story, Dr. Abram Hardy, or is that that line up with you? Yes, that is exactly. And for the since we met at orientation, we recognized each other because we all had the same VCOM T-shirt, um, and we were out and about, and that's how we recognized each other. And then never chatted. We've never we never studied together for the first six months till we started planning this mission trip and then on the mission trip and then since then we did multiple mission trips to come and that's how we got to know each other better yeah i know i went on a, a mission trip this past uh, fall and uh, there were plenty of kids I, I really enjoyed it but there was a uh, plenty of kids that i never actually really hung out with beforehand and we became pretty good friends so mm-hmm. uh, that was a really great way of just not just serving, but also getting to meet other people. But um, anyways, um, where were both of you in your careers when you decided to get married or just kind of made that next step? So we were, we got engaged medical school graduation day. Um, And we were both in the PhD program, the DO PhD program. So we had to stick around to finish up our couple of fourth year rotations. And finish up our PhD work because our residency was, we were starting the following year. Um, So we got engaged graduation day, and then three months later in November, we got married. I agree with everything that she said, but I knew I was gonna marry her probably third year. That's when I actually reached out to her father, and in my own personality kind of way, I wanted to do the right thing and ask, but also inform him that this is what my plans were and what I was, what I wanted to do. So we actually took a trip to India um, with a mission trip, and I actually bought what I wore at the wedding at the trip when we went to India. So this was a year ahead of time. Before I had asked her to, to be my bride, I was just 
hoping and prayer, I guess, that she would say yes, because otherwise I would have to wear that at somebody else's wedding, and that would have been that would have been weird. So how long were y'all dating at that point? So we we did a lot of mission trips together. We never called ourselves dating. We never studied together. We never did anything outside, outside CMDA or any club organization. Um, I think third year, but we did a lot of things together, but there were always other people involved. We never went on a date. And then third year, we were all leaving to our respective rotation sites, which I was in Clinch Valley, Richlands, and he was here. Um, and people were like, are you guys finally going to be dating? And we were like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> so we, it was not something, and then we were apart for a year. Um, so I guess third year, would we, when we officially started dating but we were a part of our rotations so i think it's safe to say that y'all probably didn't necessarily have a, a very typical i guess process in in dating or even getting married which is awesome i think that many of the medical students can probably relate to that i think a lot of the stuff that we do is not necessarily normal so um, that's really interesting and then dr hardy um you had mentioned that you you made the point and you made the acknowledgement that you realized that this is the woman I wanted to marry. Was there any point in your life that you ever thought that you would be married to another physician? I know that many people don't necessarily make that goal before it actually happens. Not so much marrying a specific type of individual per se, like career path and things of that nature. Um, I'm a firm believer that in a marriage, it's a, it's a partnership, yes, but it's a business. And what makes my business better? So what makes me a better man, a better, at that point in time, a future physician? Um, maybe if, if we were blessed to ever have kids, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So the more that I hung her out with her and learned about her, I said, she makes my business better. And through the process of doing that, then I started to develop, obviously, emotions and things of that nature. But she'll attest to this. When we first met each other, there was absolutely no connection outside of, hey, how you doing? I'll go to VCOM. And it was like that for quite some time until the Multicultural Dance Show. And then I saw her dance. And then that, that changed. That was our second year, maybe? Second year. Yeah, second year. And then that, that was a game changer for me. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> And then what about you, Dr. Abraham Hardy? Did you ever think you would be married to another physician or ever thought about it? So for me, and I think every woman in their mind, they have an idea of what their future husband should be. For me, career was never an, uh, like a checklist that you had to fulfill. My biggest criteria was somebody who would make me better in my spiritual walk. That was something that was number one. If they fulfill that, then everything else would follow. Um, so career was not one of the checklists. So I would say no. I had never planned on marrying a physician, never thought I would marry a physician. Um, it just happened. Yeah, I would say that that's probably a minority of people. I mean, I know that medicine attracts a lot of type A people that have really planned out the rest of their life. But I would imagine that a lot of people can probably relate to that as well. Just going into a little bit of the little bit more difficult questions and also um, asking y'all a little bit of advice for a lot of the students or even myself. What are some challenges that you think uh, students or physicians should understand and be ready to face when it comes to balancing a serious relationship outside of the hospital? So I think 
just like any commitment, right? Your relationship with VCOM, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your spouse or significant other, every relationship takes work. Um, just because you call yourself a boyfriend or a fiance or a husband doesn't mean you fall into that role and will do well. You have to work at it. Now, the challenge is balancing and you know allocating time when to study, when to, hey, detach, turn my phone off, and be there, be present with your significant other. Um, so I think it takes a lot of discipline and recognizing that, hey, I have three exams this week, right? Communicate that with your significant other and say, okay, you know, on Friday, we'll do date night. You know, making it an effort. And there's nothing wrong with writing it in your calendar just as you write how you're studying your board plan. There's nothing wrong in scheduling time because if you don't, your spouse or significant other is the one that you will throw to the wayside, right? Because they'll always be there, right? For good or for worse, right? But that is not ideal because you've not invested into a relationship. There's no guarantee that your relationship will last if you don't invest in it, right? If you don't study, you're not going to be a good doctor. I think it's just as simple. I would say that you have to you have to know who you are and the baggage you bring. I think that's really important. So if you really don't know yourself and then you're going to start a relationship, so you're taking in their baggage, their problems, along with your baggage and your problems. Um, so you really need to understand who you are, what are your deficiencies, and then when you're getting involved in a relationship, you don't spill all that on the first date. That's a little over, a little overbearing. <laughs> uh, but in the process of the relationship, I and my wife, we personally believe getting to know the person before you get emotionally and definitely before you get physically involved with that individual is very important. You don't want to allow yourself to become too vulnerable too soon, and then you have the hurts from that relationship carried on to the next relationship and to the next relationship. And that's hard because speaking as a, from a medical student to a resident to a physician, there are so many emotions that go along throughout the day-to-day. The last thing you want to do is actually have to make extra effort, extra work, after you've been working a long day or a long night or working through the night, now you got to come home and put in work with your spouse where it quote unquote should be easy and effortless. And that's not the case. Relationships that are easy and effortless eventually don't survive because they're effortless. You're not putting in that effort to meet the need of your partner. And that's what marriage is. You're, you're, it should be meeting the need of your partner not approaching or going into a relationship saying, I'm going to have all my needs met. She's going to cook. She's going to clean. She's going to be there for me. She's going to satisfy me emotionally and physically, opposed to saying, I'm going to get married because I want to serve this other person. And I hope that in turn, this person has the same qualities that I have. And then in turn, they want to serve me as well. And now it's a mutual give and take. That was a long answer. That's okay. That was a great answer. This might be a little bit more of a challenging question, so if you need to take time to kind of formulate your answer, that's fine. Um, But I think many students and physicians really understand that this job and this career requires um, certain things that make it hard, something like long hours and just a, a really demanding career that we want to go into. So with that being said, were there any challenges that you two have faced that y'all are comfortable sharing, of course, um, that y'all didn't necessarily expect when going into this career? 
I don't know if I could say it's not just a physician thing. I mean, it could be if if my wife was a businesswoman and I was a teacher. I think there's challenges no matter what you do. Now, what makes this situation a little bit different is both of us having those hours where our commitment may not be 100% to each other at the time because we have other things to do, i.e. take care of patients. I'll give a perfect example would be this morning, leaving the house earlier than when I usually do so that way I could take care of a couple of things as it relates to patient responsibilities. And then that leaving my wife at home to primarily take care of the kids, get them ready, and get them out the door. So it's a break in routine. There has to be some give and take. And then when she needs that same request, I need to make sure I'm ready to have that request, you know, I would say granted, so to speak. So the time part, every moment of the day is, is valuable. I'm not a believer when they say that kids grow up fast. It takes them 18 years. What you do in those 18 years is what makes that time go fast or slow. So if you're there and you're active, you're involved. So the biggest thing, sure, time management and things of that nature, but it's understanding what's important, what's urgent and important, what's non-urgent, non-important, and, and doing things accordingly. So I would say, we, it, you know, it's hard in 12 years of marriage, which, you know, we always say we don't have street credit yet. Once you're past 15 years, you have street credit <laughs> to say anything. But as you're learning each other, and I would say after year seven is when we figure out, like, oh, we got this. We got the rhythm, rhythm of things. We know how to do it. So it takes time, right? And you don't want to be stagnant, right? You want to continually grow and build your relationship just like you want to continue to be a great physician, a great businesswoman, band, whatever, right? Um, so as you continue to grow, more challenges will come, right? Because you're making yourself more vulnerable to each other, right? You're having deeper conversations, right? You, can, you let your guard down more. Um, and I think that doesn't happen just because you get married and in the first year of life. I feel like we will challenge each other, right? Probably our conversations are much more in-depth and more almost controversial sometimes. And we might not agree, but we can have that conversation. First year of marriage, probably have a guard up, you know, like, well, I don't believe that's what you say. You know, like it becomes more of a conflict as opposed to a conversation. So I think... It's hard to pinpoint one challenge, but there are challenges in marriage as you go, as you let your guard down, which you're supposed to do, right? Allow that person to get to know you and vice versa. Um, challenges will come. I think to challenges of time, right? Again, exactly what Abraham said as far as there will be times where you might be late, right? Because, hey, I'm stuck, so-and-so person, whatever specialty, if you're both physicians and in residency for example you might need to put an extra call because so and so person felt sick right there will be times like that and you there has to be that open communication and i think communication is vital and i don't it's almost like making that person know that hey this is the circumstance you can never communicate too much in a marriage and i think no matter what specialty you are communicate be honest uh, with what's happening and then acknowledge that hey there will be times where you might have to pick up the kids. You might have to do the groceries, right? One challenge, one, not challenge, but something we discovered is not to fall into roles. Like, I enjoy cooking every night. 
But that doesn't mean if I'm stuck at work and I have to do something, Abraham will start dinner, right? We, we have not stuck into our roles that this is what I do, this is what you do. And I, for us, that is what works because then if he comes home first, he starts dinner. If Saturday he wakes up early, he might start the laundry. Try not to fall into those roles because I feel like that's when you're setting yourself up for, I have to do everything. You don't help me out with anything, right? If, if there is a need, it is everybody's responsibility in the family. When my kids are old enough, they're old enough, they put their clothes away. They, they are part of this family, right? And if you establish that early on that, hey, this is our family, we'll all do whatever is needed for us to succeed and get our stuff done in a day. I think that was a that was a really great answer and it definitely aligns with you know my kind of philosophy with marriage and serious relationships that the two individuals are a team so whatever pushes that team to do better or be better or like you said if someone is really having a rough day making sure that you can be that person that the other one can depend on regardless of roles so I think I think that's a really great answer and I think um, many of the students can probably relate to that some of the best advice that I received regarding marriage or a serious relationship in order to make it work is that, and this is, it seems very obvious, but a serious relationship requires sacrifices from both individuals. And I think most people think that it just requires sacrifices, period. But I think adding that last part of both individuals is very important and being able to understand that not only does your partner have to make sacrifices, but you, more importantly, are going to have to make sacrifices for them. And also it takes selflessness. So um, I know that y'all prob- y'all have already kind of touched on it a little bit, but are there any sacrifices that y'all necessarily had to make in your career or whether it be um, y'all wanted to move somewhere or anything along those lines? Because um, my wife is going to be a first year. And one of the interesting things that we did in our path, and this was our decision, is the fact that when she was looking at medical schools to apply to, and we had a long conversation about it, we came to the conclusion that she only wanted to apply to one school. She, she felt as though if she decided to go to another medical school that it wouldn't be worth it. So, which is a very risky decision for many people that aren't in necessarily a serious relationship. They might not necessarily be able to understand that. And it worked out really well for her. She's going to be starting up in July. But I think that that's a perfect example of kind of the sacrifice that we've made. And I understand that. So, and I'm very well aware that that sacrifice that she made for me is going to have to come into a form of maybe when I'm applying to residency or wherever the case may be. So it's kind of like a give and take. Is there any examples that y'all would be able to share? One of the biggest things is, is going to have to be trust. And that's hard. You don't build trust over one year, two years, three years. It takes a lot of time. And um, I think trust is so related to sacrifice because you're going to have to maybe put off advancements in a career or maybe you're on a trajectory to go in a certain direction and you you halt that for a little while because you look at your family and is the family intact and that can be challenging because I don't want to say you know all people in medicine are type A per se but we're focused we have a goal you've worked hard to get to that point you've put off the majority of your young life so that you can enjoy and be productive in your 30s and beyond right all your other friends are married and they're doing stuff and they're traveling and putting up pictures and buying their first home. And you're like 
32 and you finally get a real job where you're actually getting paid. <laughs> but meanwhile, while you're getting paid, you get all this debt, right? So that, that all those things kind of wear on you. Um, so it's understanding where you both want to go in your careers. And then you may have to take a point where you take a backseat to your, to your significant other um, and let them exceed or excel. And then hopefully they will return the favor and pause and then do the same. So you have to trust your partner that they're going to be willing to, to do that for you. Um, or maybe you're the one that you had aspirations of going and doing this big grand thing, but it's not something that's conducive to where they really want to go. And, I mean, that's what makes relationships fun, I think. I don't think it makes it hard. That's what makes it fun. All right, so you're, I don't know, you really like that. Okay, well, you know, go get it. Go do it. And then I'll, I'll wait. I'll sit here and, and, and watch you flourish and grow and without having in the back of your mind, but don't forget me, right? No, it's a team. This, this is, once again, I use analogy, it's a business. What's going to make our business grow and flourish? All right, so it's all you right now, so you do you. And I'll lay back and take care of the kids and whatever, whatever. So, or vice versa. I think oftentimes selflessness, just that word, comes with an asterisk. And that asterisk normally has in a subscript, as long as you return the favor later. But that kind of defeats the purpose. And I think uh, you brought up a good point, Dr. Hardy, that um, making those sacrifices and being there for the other individual does not always necessarily mean that if you have that thought of she better or he better return that favor later, that that becomes a very kind of dangerous game. So understanding that mutual respect of each other, that both of y'all are going to have sacrifices to be made. So I think that's a great point. Going back to when y'all decided to get married and really push your relationship forward, um, did y'all seek any guidance from anyone? I know that family and friends or um, for us, uh, pastors or anything like that, um, I, th- I know that that was important for us in making sure that we were making the right steps. So is there any, any people that you reached out to? So our situation was a little different. My family was not on board with me marrying Abraham just because he was not Indian. Um, So that was very hard for us. Um, I had to pray and ask for peace and to trust that this was the right decision. Um, So my parents and my family were not gonna come to the wedding till two days before the wedding. They said they were coming. They were minimally part, my dad was very much part of the ceremony, but my, the rest of the family was not. Um, so for us, as we were going through planning of the wedding, it was me and his family. His family was extremely supportive. Um, so it was, so the guidance we sought was neutral parties, that we had a premarital counselor who Abraham has known since college. So we did premarital counseling. And we had some really good couples, Christian couples, that we looked up to and sought for guidance. Now, our story was very different. We didn't have anybody where you know, it, one, it was people from two different cultures coming together. So we didn't have that, but we, we knew where we wanted to be. We had peace about our decision, and we had some really strong people who supported us through this process. His family was extremely supportive, but he didn't want to bring his family too much because then it just, it might show that, that my family is not next to me. So we tried to get, like, people 
outside, people that we respected, people that really could pour into us. And to this day, they have been those figures in our life and we still keep in touch with them, right? It's always, you always look up to people that you want to aspire to be, right? Or like, you know that if you can go to them for advice, they're going to be realistic with your advice. Like I remember with our premarital counseling, you go in smiling and you come back not holding hands, <laughs> you know, but that's good, right? You know, to really ruffle feathers and make you think and not just say, oh yeah, you guys are right. You know, that's not what you want. You want to push somebody to get outside their comfort zone to talk about hard decisions so you can handle those hard decisions coming up, especially in a marriage, right? Um, so we had those, we were blessed to have those people around us to kind of go through that process, which was beneficial for us. I know that many people outside of healthcare, and, and I, I want to preface this question by saying we've been talking a lot about kind of the negatives or at least the the challenges going into a marriage in this career. So I definitely don't want this podcast to be released and everyone think that this is a bad idea or anything like that. So I, I definitely want to go over some of the positives because I think that most people would never trade it for the world. And I would agree with that most certainly. So, you know, many people outside of uh, healthcare most likely jump and I've heard it and I'm sure that many of y'all have heard it as well just the assumption that being married to another physician is either impossible or just too hard and that's really all the the conversation that's had Um, what are some positives that y'all have found in your relationship and the fact that two physicians are married so many people might not necessarily be able to experience that I think being married to a physician makes it easier and that's just my it works for us um For example, during residency, if I say I'm on call, I don't need to explain to my husband when I'm coming home. He knows what call is. So if typically I come home at 9 a.m. after a 32-hour call, but now it's 12 o'clock, he knows what happens. I don't have to sit there and explain, well, you know, so-and-so person came, then I had to do this. Uh, But in a marriage where somebody does not understand what call means or why didn't you come at nine when you said, you know, that's when call ends, right? But things happen in residency, right? And you violate hours just because patient care comes first. Um, So it was easy. Like that explanation didn't have to come. Um, I, I feel like we could always bounce ideas off each other, always pick his brain. Um... Now in our roles as chairs, we can talk about how to teach. We all have different styles. Um, I, I think it's more fun. I now looking back, obviously, because that was never one of my two, you know checklists for a husband. I know I would not have done well with somebody who's not a physician. Now I wouldn't know any different, right? Because I'm only married to somebody who's a physician. I feel like it it is extremely easy uh, because we know what each other's commitment to their career, but we also know when we come home, we shut that off and then we, we are invested in our family. Once the kids go down, then it's our time. You know, they go down at eight, from eight to 10 is usually whatever we want to do. We want to chat, we want to do Bible study, we want to like work out, that's our time. Um, and we have structure and it works for us. Um, but I'm sure not being not married to a physician, I'm sure you will find what works for you. And every couple is different, right? And every specialty is different, right? I'm sure this relation, this conversation will be different if one of us was a surgeon, right? It, but you have to communicate. You have to know and understand, not go by the fly 
and say, oh, I forgot to tell you I had this meeting at five. It doesn't work like that, right? You have to communicate. Like on Sundays, we always look at our week and we'll say, okay, what do we have this week, right? Everything is on our dry erase board. We write it in there. Everybody knows who's going to be at what time. So there are no surprises to the week. Things happen. Things come up, right? This uh, today here to come early. But we talked about it and we said, yep, I got this. I got the goals. You go early so you can get it done. Um, so I, for for me... I think it is actually a blessing. Being married to a physician, the advantages I enjoy are sharing ideas about a case, how we handle something. The professionalism that comes with being a physician, meaning the years and years of school, carry over outside of the actual medical arena, but just to life. Hey, how would you address this particular situation in a way that's going to be beneficial for everyone opposed to come with my own preconceived notion or come with my own my own bravado and say okay how can I maintain professionalism and for me I can bounce that off of her because she's in the same position that I'm in not only being a physician not only being in academics but also how to work with students as she mentioned um, so I enjoy the professionalism that comes off of that and it's it's fun because we each can let our guard down and not be professional, and the other one can kind of pick up for the other person, which is, which is fun because we were there's been lots of meetings and things of that nature throughout our careers, and those that we attend together, then you know one is the professional one, the other one is kind of the the jackhammer, and then we can we go home and we debrief and say okay hey you know I, I turned it on a little too much and the other person's like yeah you kind of did so maybe we should handle it this way help me construct this uh, my apology email or how I'm going to do my apology conversation tomorrow so that part to, to me is, is is fun and as, as Sophia mentioned I don't know the difference I'm sure if I had a significant other that wasn't a physician you'd be like oh it's great because they're there and we can do stuff together and they plan you know, they plan our quality time. I mean, but we do all that stuff anyway. There's times in our relationship where my wife is not number one, okay? My, for us, it's our belief, our faith, okay, is our number one, takes priority. Then it's my wife. Then it's my kids. Then it's my career and then my personal desires, things that I want, right? So that's my top five. And I always tell her playing around, I was like, yep, you're the second best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> and it's so funny because she understands where I'm coming from. Um, and it's important that I've known my wife longer than I've known my kids. They are very important, but they are not number two. The number two slot is my wife. So I have to make sure there's times where the kids want to do something. I say, no, it's not about you. This is me and your mom are going to go do something together and you're going to be with the babysitter, and then we will hang out this weekend. Could you imagine going to work every day, doing the same thing every day? You would get bored out of your mind. You would lose your desire to want to give to that, that job. Relationship is the same way. If you do the same thing all the time, it becomes routine. You lose desire in that, and that's when you start getting up. In football, we always say having your head on a swivel. That's when you start looking around at other opportunities. And, and I think that's something that we don't talk about as, as married couples and things of that nature. We talk about that. Where are we? Where's your headspace? How are things going? Do you feel like we're connecting? 
what are things that I can improve on, you know, as your husband or as your, as your wife or, or your significant other, wherever you are in your, in your relationship. I mean, that's important because as soon as you take your, you know, take your eye away from your spouse because you're so busy and focused because you're so important, or at least you think you're so important, that's when you find yourself getting in, getting into trouble just kind of closing things out with some a uh, little bit more advice and more targeted advice to um, both the men and women in, in uh, medicine and also in medical school. So we'll first start out with uh, you, Dr. Abraham Hardy. Um, what advice do you think you might have for any of the female medical students that are either married or interested in being married with regards to just making a relationship work in medicine? So just kind of piggybacking with what I said earlier, it's going to take work. Think about how long you plan to practice as a physician, right? Most people maybe 50, 60 maybe. Most people plan to retire somewhere in there, right? Marriage, you hope to do it for the rest of your life, right? But think how much time you're investing in school. Why don't you think you need to invest more time for something that's going to last longer? So I think that's one thing. Don't go into a relationship, a marriage, thinking that this is going to be easy. Uh, it is going to take work. But with that effort and work, you're going to see how beautiful it's going to be. Marriage is wonderful. Is there challenges? Absolutely. They, I mean, there are hard times in medical school. You're still here, right? You don't quit. The same way, don't quit just because there are hard times in marriage. There will be times when you cry in marriage, and that's okay. There might be times where you don't like your spouse, and that's okay. But you got to communicate, and you've got to talk about it. You have to put your needs last. And that is, I think, being that selfless person in the marriage. And I really, uh, we really do not like the phrase, you know, happy wife, happy life. I think that is extremely selfish. And I think if you go into a relationship that it's all about you, then what's going to happen to the needs of your spouse or your significant other? What about their needs? That marriage or that relationship will not work if one person is getting all the attention. So in our, we, we don't say that, and I, I have never said that I don't like that phrase because each individual needs their needs. And probably not at the same time. You probably each can't get your needs met at the same time. But there is a time and place you need to. It's that give and take that, hey, you know, I really want a foot massage today. And there's no shame in asking your husband, right? You'll get to the point where I can ask my husband that, hey, this is what I want. And that same thing will be returned, right? It's having that relationship, that open communication. The other thing is also know how to give love to your spouse. Everybody's love language, and I highly recommend every couple read the book Five Love Languages. It is great because we we give love the way we want to receive love, or the way we receive love. Um, And I'll give you a simple example. One of Abraham's love languages is acts of service. It is not mine. So when we got married, he did everything. Brought breakfast in bed, did the laundry. And that made me very upset. One, because it is not my love language. So I didn't receive all what he was doing. To me was, I was like, you just don't need me. That's how you're acting. You do everything. You don't need me. Trying to be husband of the year, but I I didn't, it wasn't received the way it was intended because that was not my love language. So I think understand, reading that book 
and it takes a couple of times to read and discuss with your significant other to figure out what each other's love language is. You have to give love the way the person receives love. So I highly recommend that have find good mentors to lean on. You don't want your girlfriends who will say, oh yeah, your husband shouldn't have do done that. When you know you were clearly in the wrong. You want friends around you who will call you out on your mistakes. You don't want friends who are going to agree with everything you say, especially when you're wrong, right? You want friends who will say, okay, come on, Sophia, you know that was not right, right? Those are the kind of people you need to support yourself with to make your marriage work. Uh, I also have the same question for you, Dr. Hardy. Uh, what advice would you have for any of the young men in medical school? Same thing with regards to just making a relationship work in medicine and just outside of the hospital. If you're a guy out there and you're trying to start a relationship, pay attention to my voice. No, you, this is, I mean, it's what you need to do is this. If you're in the courting part of your relationship, you're trying to figure out this person, is it going to work? You need to ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth me having to put that extra effort into something else besides what I'm doing? If it is, then you advance and you move forward. If it's not worth it, putting in all the work, to have a lasting relationship, not a fling, not something that's gonna last for a couple of weeks just because you want your your desires or your wants, or your yeah, your wants, not so much your needs, but your wants met, then that's something totally different. But if you're wanting to establish a relationship and you say, hey, is it worth it? Then you have to figure out if it is worth it, what do I need to do so that my partner understands that they are worth it to me? And that's individualized. Everything's different as Sophia just mentioned different love languages and things of that nature. And you need to be honest and say what you can and can't do, be it a time thing or a emotional thing, right? Once again, you gotta know yourself. If you got a lot of emotional baggage and you can't really be open with someone else, you can't expect for them to be open with you. And then you're not really building a relationship, okay? So that's the first thing. For you all out there that are already married, everything's on the table when it comes to communication. And I think that's important. I mean, everything. You know, hey, you're super sweet and you're beautiful, but hey, your, your feet stink, right? I mean, it sounds silly and we laugh at it, but it's easy to tell somebody else that their feet stink opposed to someone who you live with in their house, right? Or for them to tell you that maybe your breath doesn't smell too good today. You know, I'll give you a kiss later, right? I mean, those things are hard to say. Now, you have to do it in an appropriate way. But honesty to the, to the fullness, so that way you can be vulnerable, right? Kind of that picture of running through the flowers naked, right? <laughs> you can be that vulnerable with your spouse. That's what makes marriage awesome. I got somebody that's like more trusty than anything in the world. I can go to with anything. I can voice my, my wants, my desires, uh, my fears, and I don't have to worry about them judging me, but they're going to listen to me. A rule that we have in our house, we started this probably, probably year two. We said, Whatever the person says to you, it's for your best benefit. Now, that sounds really crazy, especially when someone's yelling. And that's another thing. That's not allowed. There's no yelling in the house. You can't yell at your significant other. So if, she, if, I, if I come home or if she comes home and I say, hey, how's your day? And she's like, oh, you just aggravate me, right? I got to take that when she says I aggravate her, she's trying to communicate something to me for my best benefit. So we got to sit and talk about it now. 
It may not happen at that very moment because I may have my guard up, but we have to address it. I don't automatically come back at her. Well, you aggravate me. Uh, and then what does that do? I aggravate her. She aggravates me. Where are we? So breaking down this communication barrier that's there. And then when you get mad at your partner, you got to come back together and discuss. This is why I was mad. This is what you said, that I felt like you hurt me. I do a lot of active, active listening. Sometimes it drives her nuts. But she'll say something, and I'll say, so what I hear you saying is this, this, and this. And do I always want to say that? No, I'm a man. I don't want to say that all the time. I want just to be like, okay, whatever. Stop your whining about it. No, but this is my team, my business. I want my team to be number one. All right, so tell me, what does this mean? How does this make you feel? So when I said this, you thought, okay, because that's totally not what I was meaning. So, I think these were all some really wonderful answers from, from both of y'all. For all the questions that I asked, I think a lot of the students will get a ton of value out of this, not even the students here at VCOM, but I think a lot of the, just any of the other listeners that um, know that they want to either be in a serious relationship or are already in a serious relationship. And I, I think I'll try to see if I can put the love languages um, thing in a, a link in the description for the podcast because I'm familiar with it and my wife and I have done it. And it's been very valuable for me, um, very similar to kind of y'all's uh, story with regards to that. Um, but I want to close out by just thanking y'all for coming on. I know that this is not necessarily the easiest podcast, and it's also a little bit different than what we normally do. It takes a lot of courage to come on here and be vulnerable and just kind of be honest with us and, and give us the rundown of how y'all's experience has been. All too often, many students just don't really get a lot of, or just people in general just don't get enough of this information. So I, I thank y'all a lot. Absolutely. For more PRN, please be on the lookout. If you like this episode, tell someone about it and start up a conversation. I'm Alana Castro-Gilliard. I'm Chandler Davis. And this is PRN.